Welcome to Perspectives Podcast. My name is Bruce, and today on our podcast, we're going to start a little series called Perspectives on Parenting. And I have my lovely wife, Deborah, here with me. And before I introduce her and get to uh, the topic at hand, I want to lay out just the idea we had over uh, several podcasts. We'll see how it goes. We're going to break down uh, the different stages in parenting that we've experienced. We've had eight children. We still have four with us, four grown. We also have a grandchild. Deb and I have, I think, some practical experience. And the way we want to approach this is that we're going to actually give advice to ourselves. So we are speaking to ourselves things that we wished that we had known. And so we're going to go back to the future and time travel and give ourselves some information, and we're going to say three things that we wished we had told ourselves about these different stages. We're going to go over today pregnancy, so the journey of pregnancy, and in future podcasts, we're going to unpack that first year having a baby as well as the toddler years. We'll get into preteens, teens, raising young adults, leaving the nest, and then moving into married in their new journey, parenting alongside them. We want it to be fun. There's so many crazy things going on in the world right now. We thought this would be meaningful and and maybe bring out a little more of our journey. And hopefully it encourages some of you, especially our friends out there that we love and miss. And if there's somebody that you think this might encourage, please share it, pass it along. So without further ado, I introduce you to my wife, Deborah. Hello, everybody. Deborah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can say that I have eight children, and so there's a little bit of experience there. Definitely. This is not book smarts. Correct. She's more of an analytical thinker, but we have so much fun together. I mean, we've been married, oh my goodness, how long? I don't know. 26, seven almost. (laughs) (laughs) Now you have some insight into our marriage. We're really big on ritual ceremonies like birthdays and anniversaries, but we have been married 26 or 7 years. Yeah. Okay, we may need to edit that. <laughs> so we're going to go back to the first child. For us, it was Broderick. Broderick's in Florida right now and married to Kristen, and we have a wonderful one-year-old. Yep. Yeah, Byron, our grandson. And And so we've had to think for a few minutes about what that first pregnancy was like. We're going to go through what it was like for a woman, for the wife, and for the man. And in our situation, we were very young. So I'm sure it's different if we were older. But we, I was 20 or 21. 22. I was 23. We should really talk before we do (laughs) our podcast. Let's talk about that first trimester, if we can just break them down into trimesters. We were only married a year, something like that. And so we knew very little. We were just having fun. And then I remember Deb coming and sharing with us that she was expecting. And it was a shock of my life. We were in Canada. We were about to move to Louisiana, do some mission work in Mexico. So we had no thoughts about doing this with a baby. And I don't know about you, maybe it was a big surprise or maybe it was planned. But that first uh, trimester for a woman, your body starting to change, even just your tastes and things making you feel sick. Was that a surprise to you? 
I think that I had learned that from other women already that to expect that kind of thing. Uh, for me, it was very exciting time. I think just the knowledge that there is a life inside of you is amazing and you just can't believe it. So it was exciting for you. I don't know that I was excited. From my perspective anyway, your whole world is rocked and all of a sudden you feel like a boy until you're probably 40s and 50s. <laughs> and so it was such a reality check that I'm going to have a kid. I feel like a kid and I'm going to have a kid. Did you have any sense of like, I'm, I'm too young, I'm not ready for this? No, I don't think so. I mean, I knew I was young, but I think this potential baby was exciting to me, maybe like stars in my eyes, being a mom. Women, maybe in just a generalization, but I think it's true. You're just way more mature. But I remember some fear. I remember thinking, how are we going to do this? You didn't have any of that. Uh, no, I think I trusted you to take care of that part so of you our were life. So you were naive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that worked well for the first few years. Just trust. Okay. Yeah, I would say the first trimester is kind of getting used to this idea. You forget about it half the time if you're not throwing up or sick. And then when you remember that feeling of excitement or unbelievable, you know, comes back to you. You keep looking for changes happening. How big is your belly now? Is, you know, anything growing, um, showing? Now, we were very fortunate. We've not had any miscarriages. We've had some very close calls. Um, so our first pregnancy went according to design. And so we, we just had a lot of conversations. I remember just always excited to see you, talk to you, how you're feeling, because yeah, there's something, someone <laughs> growing inside of you. And that's another thing. We always called it a thing. Mm -hmm. We know that there's a life growing inside, but we don't really understand that it's a, like a person. Right. Something. Something. <laughs> Our relationship any stresses, at least in the first half of the pregnancy? There were a lot of changes going on in our lives the first months of our pregnancy. So I think there was other stuff going on. We were moving. We were staying with Distractions. different people. Yes. That's true. in three different places at least for the first Tr six just months. Just trust me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got this. Yeah, going back, that might be some advice, like, to keep some stability. It was so much fun. Adventure. Adventure. I remember the book, What to Expect When Expecting, or whatever the title was, and it seemed like after the fact, everybody had that book. It mm -hmm. was, here. here's what's happening at week 12 and week 13, and it was, that was our go-to I remember at night, like yes. reading it together and being excited and amazed that this life was developing so quickly, so early. Yes. And I would say that wasn't something that we talked about a lot, like in my childhood or even early adulthood, pregnancy and what happens and what's going on with your body. So everything was new for me. And so it was nice to have some information in a book to read and we're dating ourselves because yes. there's the internet i'm just realizing as you say as we're saying we have a book <laughs> okay we so had an app 
<laughs> now, all of you youngsters out there, uh, you'll have access to all of this and videos. And I'm sure if you're interested, everything's just at your fingertips. But for us, it was that book. And that really made the whole process come to life for me. And honestly, it freaked me out. Baby's going to be born, but I, the process just really was wild. And still, when we think about it, it was kind of humbling and sobering. And, and it did help prepare, I think. She nods her head, yes. <laughs> I think for a young man, a young husband, I, I wrote down here, excitement meets anxiety. There's, there's an overwhelming amount of excitement and optimism, but it's met by this idea that I don't know what's coming, but I know my life's going to change and I know I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to make more money, provide all these things start to kick in. So it, it wasn't just pure joy. I think it was also, you know, forced maturity. <laughs> You're five or six months pregnant and belly's really sticking out there. Your clothes definitely don't fit anymore. What are some of the things that you're feeling through this process as you're really starting to get bigger? Mm -hmm. By that time, I think you're thankful that you're big enough that the world can see that you are pregnant. It feels nice like to have something to show <laughs> what's going on inside of you. Definitely everything is getting bigger, getting ready to support life and Baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way of saying, yeah, you're getting ready to feed the baby. This podcast is rated G. I don't know if it should be because for the guy, that's a huge alteration too. I mean, a young man. And so we obviously like each other, attracted to each other, but your body is really changing and it's no longer has the shape that I married. <laughs> that was a real challenge. You know, we just we didn't have the maturity or even the communication to talk through some of the struggles that we were having with sex. You're not necessarily feeling sexy and I'm not affirming you the way that I should be as well because we're just, we've never been through this before. That must have had an emotional impact. Yes, it did. I remember, and again, going back to the fact that these kind of things weren't talked about freely in church and in community. So you didn't know what to expect or, you know, what your husband was going through or, you know, your changes in your own body. And so there was this paradox of loving your body and what it's doing and creating a new life. And it's just amazing to you. And then to simultaneously, it's turning off maybe your husband. But at the same time, you're not necessarily turned off. You Correct. still, <laughs> you're still a woman with emotional and even sexual desires. And for a guy, it's like, okay, here she comes. You're looking, you're looking rather large. So that's, that's the reality of it though. And we, we didn't have anyone to talk to. Nobody's telling us how to navigate this. As we move into the the final three months, that just gets exaggerated even more because mm -hmm. now you do have like a legitimate life. Not that it's illegitimate, but you legitimately can see it, feel it. You're carrying it. And as a man, I don't know if I'm the only one, but it just was weird. Like sometimes felt like it was just wrong to have sex. 
like you need to be off the market <laughs> for for six months or something. And so, but we we did have to get creative. Yes, and as far as the the middle trimester goes, I always found that to be the best. I felt the best, not so tired and feeling good. And then the last trimester you enter that and you are a lot larger and carrying this baby. And so you are more tired and navigating. I know you think about it, like if you just carried a watermelon around all day and you're doing housework, if you're, if you're working from home or you're going to work, by the end of the day, you're together with your husband, things are changing so quickly and your expectations are changing and what you're hoping for. You know, the wife is hoping to have a hot bubble bath and just be done the day. And the guy's like, let's light it up. <laughs> let's have some fun. And so those expectations are very different from a, from a guy and from a woman being young, young and immature. We didn't talk even with ourselves about that in the first mm-hmm. couple of children. Uh, it was just kind of let's get through it, not try to fight or be have these emotional cold moments where you just don't Upheavals. know how to, Yeah, you don't know how to react and not take it personally because you are so immature and unformed. I'm starting to feel really bad <laughs> about how I acted. So down the stretch, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, you've got stretch marks. This tummy it's amazing how much it stretches. It's like, so guys, be prepared. This, if you haven't had children, your wife's body is beginning to morph and change in preparation as well for the delivery. But there's a time where I, I remember you were like, just get this thing out of me. Mm-hmm. Yes, as nervous as I was to have your first child and not have any clue what you're going to do with it how to feed or take care of this thing that is about to come into your life. I always thought it was pretty smart of God to make it become almost unbearable to carry around anymore, that you were willing to go through the labor process and get it out. Whatever it takes. Yep. I think from my perspective, I'm getting more worried because I'm worried for you, how is this going to go down? I don't know what to expect. I feel so helpless. And yet you're like, something triggers in your brain and you're like, I got to get this baby out of me. And I'm like, slow down. You know, it's okay. We still got two or three weeks. You begin to nest. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's like a little bird. Mm-hmm. You're beginning to like really prepare. And that. F- kind of freaked me out even more it's like what what's going on what's like happening because nothing's happening in me that seems to be productive yeah it was a surprise to me and it it happened I'm pretty sure with almost every pregnancy those last week two weeks I would go into this mode like panic mode of everything needing to be clean and organized and ready and, and that let me know the time was soon we had four actually at home. So we've done four at home, four in the hospital. For the first one, it was a hospital. We're big home birth people. And maybe you can just share the difference between the two. I think just being in your own home, your own environment was very comforting and nothing felt strange or too surgical, too technical. 
It just felt like home to be in my own environment, kind of where you could control things yourself and, and ask for what you needed. That you could do a lot of the labor on your own. Of course, the first time we did it at home, I was really super nervous about what could happen and called the midwife and she was there for like six hours before she decided this isn't happening. Call back later. And that's another thing. You get to know what Braxton Hicks they're called. You know, the false labor signs when you're when you're having your first child, every movement, every pain is like, let's get to the hospital. Onset of labor. Right, right. And that was our experience. The first couple kids we had at the hospital and we go with Broderick. We were there. They sent us home, went back. It was just crazy. Do you remember why you started thinking about having home birth versus? Yes, we had no insurance. Okay, we were poor. <laughs> we were poor. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. Everything's going to be okay. So financial insurance. We had an amazing midwife and she passed away a few years ago. Her name was Thalia. She had delivered so many in East Texas and was just an amazing woman and so different from the hospital experience. I grew up in Canada. Everything's socialized medicine. You go to the hospital. If you sneeze, you know, hurt your pinky, go in for an x-ray, everything. You just go to the hospital. It is your small G God that's just going to wrap you up, make you feel safe. And so I marry this crazy woman who starts to tell me, I think I want to have a baby at home. And at first, I was not a believer. I had everything prepared, where we were going to go when everything went south, <laughs> gas in the car. But it was really amazing to see that actually you don't need the hospital in most cases. It's if, a natural process. Yeah, if you're, if you're healthy, if the baby's healthy, this thing's going to happen. And it's happened for thousands of years. So that was really eye-opening to see that. The body, the body is so amazing and can do this whole thing. What yeah, do you want to say? I think, um, I think another really nice thing about having it at home is after the process is over, the midwives pack up and leave fairly quickly and you get to just rest and sleep. Baby sleeps and you're not having nurses come in every 10 minutes, every half hour to wake you up and poke you and check on things. It's really nice. Yeah. And I became a believer too after they left. And even during, I remember going in the kitchen, getting some food <laughs> between <laughs> contractions. Now, this is pretty cool. This is better than a hospital cafeteria. The guy is really helpless. I mean, you can be supportive and just kind of stay out of the way. That's sometimes the best <laughs> thing to do. We've had some great experiences, like in, even in Kiev. We had the, uh, our two girls were born in Ukraine and that was a private hospital. It was wonderful experience compared to the American hospital experience, which really felt like a factory. Like you were, they did not see you as a person. You were a statistic and, and you're, they're just pushing you through. And it seems like it should be a real personal thing, you know, especially prenatal, all the visits, getting to know the wife and we see the benefits on both sides and let's move to our three things that we would tell ourselves if we were to go back in a time machine as a wife, as a husband. So for me, I'll start and then you can, we'll go back and forth. The first thing I would tell myself is that we aren't having a baby. 
Your wife is having a baby. It sounds nice. We're having a baby. But it is not about you, husband. This is a time for you to be supportive and to come alongside this whole process. And that's the nature of love, right? Like, Because I just remember thinking so much through the lens of, I'm going to be a dad, and I'm thinking about me. And I would go back and tell myself, it is your wife, it's about her, and she needs you through this process to support her. Oh, I like that. If I could go back and tell myself a few things, the first one would be there's an aspect of my personality that thinks everything should be done a certain way and should be done the right way. And so getting a hold of this book and trying to find all the right things I should do to make sure this pregnancy goes well and this baby is healthy. I ate a lot and tried to make sure it got all the nutrients that it needed. I think I overdid it a bit and gained a lot of weight. And also to go along with that is my alignment and my posture were not correct. And then when you add a baby onto that and you're carrying all this extra weight on your body, it could mess up more. So to work on the alignment of your body and how you sit, how you stand, so that the pregnancy is, it doesn't harm your body. I would go back to try and find how you should be standing and sitting and how to carry a baby properly. Interesting. Okay. Number two for the husband, I go back to Bruce and I tell him, be more aware of your wife's insecurities. I think that's kind of like number one, like just being more supportive. But I see now that I was so, again, focused on me that I wasn't just purposefully affirming of your beauty, your internal beauty, as well as the external beauty of a, a woman who is creating a child and going through that process. Like as an older man, I see the beauty in that. I didn't see it as beautiful. I was seeing my beautiful wife morphing and changing and that I would go back and just smack myself and say, affirm her beauty and walk alongside her. So what about you for number two? Well, I guess I'll go to my third point because it kind of goes along with that. Uh, I remember someone telling me, I think it was on my fifth pregnancy, and someone at church came by and just told me that I looked beautiful. It just felt good that they found that form and beautiful. So I agree with your number two point and for me, I would go back to tell myself, yes, to love this process, that it really is a miracle. It's amazing. There's something spiritual happening and a bond going on, and you're creating a new life, and that it is incredible to appreciate all the changes that your body is going through. And it's interesting, we didn't look at our three different points, but my third one is enjoy the journey. And I put in parentheses because it's hard after you're counting down the days. You're not present. You're not being present. You're living in the future. You're futurizing everything. And that future looks like no sleep, looks like no sex for quite a while, looks like, you know, the husband 
having to step up his game in a lot of practical ways and should, I would say just enjoy it. And I think we did down the stretch with our final few kids uh, because we knew it was coming. It was the opposite. It was like, whoa, slow down. You know, we don't need this baby to be born right now. It's crazy in the crow house. But to enjoy it, relax. It's going to happen just the way God designed it to. And he's given us all kinds of, you know, technology and medical advancements. You have the internet now. You have so many tools. They can actually work to make you more anxious if you're so kind of freaking out and just not enjoying it and seeing God in the, the whole process. For my third one... I would say, if at all possible, to find or start or be a part of a community that talks about these kind of things that is open with process and marriage and childbearing and birthing and raising kids, that you can have these conversations honestly. Because even if there is a lot more information available now and internet and apps and all that, that we need real conversations and people to walk alongside with us. And you've opened the door for another podcast, and that's being in safe, welcoming, vulnerable spaces. And that's something that we really obviously are passionate about. And we'll talk about in other future podcasts, maybe together. All right. So that wraps up our time. Uh, that's This has been our first podcast together. And I hope you enjoyed it. I look forward to, I don't know if Deb does. If you never hear from Deb again, <laughs> you know that this did not go well. Uh, but if you enjoyed listening to her, maybe shoot her a little, uh, not a comment, but just your, your friends on Facebook, tell her that she did a great job because she did. Perspectives on parenting will continue future episodes. We'll talk about these other transitional phases and periods in parenting through the lens of dad, husband, and the wife, and the mom. If you're out there and you're married and you're maybe pregnant or thinking about the process that this is helpful in some way, just know that God so does have this for you. He loves you and be affirmed in his love and be open and communicate your needs to one another. So I think it's all part of the process developing as a young married couple. So we'll see you next time. Thank you, Deb. We'll go ahead and start editing this because there were several things in it that should not make it to iTunes. 